Let's uh, enter in some more prayer. And we want to ask those two questions we try to ask every day. Lord, what do you want to say? And how do you want me to respond? And we're continuing uh, our tough journey through Romans and living in the tension. Remember, we're going through the tensions that Romans provokes because Rome back then was very similar to the U.S. now. And so not too dissimilar from one another. So a lot of what Paul's addressing then could be addressed now. And so we want to uh, submit to the Lord. It's a big thing because today we're going to talk about some challenging things that we're all going to have some opinion on. So we want to hear what the Lord has to say. We want him to be the resounding voice and the resounding heart and the resounding peace and calm. Amen? So Lord, we thank you for you and who you are. And we thank you that out of who you are, we are here. Your love and your grace and your mercy that you shower upon us, we are so thankful for. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would not take that for granted. I ask in Jesus' name that you would remove anything in this place that is not of you, that would be working contrary to your spirit, that would want to take us out of kingdom positioning. So we speak against the enemy in Jesus' name. Go to the feet of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the judge. We thank you that you are um, the one who leads us and guides us and calls us by name. I pray that we would submit our lives to you right now in this moment, that we'd hear what you want to say to us. And we thank you that because you are love, love always has the first, middle, and last word. We thank you, Jesus. And we pray that we would enjoy the time together that we have and we would enjoy your presence for you are here. And I would ask that you would make us aware of your presence if we're not already. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, last week we uh, talked about some challenging things. We looked at the word exchange. Who remembers this? Exchange. And Paul uses this word exchange quite a few times to show what we settle for in replacement to God's glory, his goodness, his lordship, and who he is. And last week we talked about this exchange is God's uncreated truth for a created reality that we make. Now, when I say uncreated truth, God has no beginning and he has no end. He's uncreated. Who has a mathematical equation for that? Who can figure that out? We can't. It's beyond our understanding because to us, everything has a beginning and a end. Everything in our minds is created. And everything outside of God is created. And what we often do, even as Christians, we take the created rules. Now, creation is good in its, in its perfect form of how God made it. Now, when I say created truth, what we've made, what we've made. That's what I'm referring to. And so we will take the created tools we're given instead of the uncreated tools through the power of the Holy Spirit to interpret the world around us and then often times put Jesus' name on our version of his truth. And those are in conflict with one another. Who can see that conflict in your own life? I just heard uh, an interview of some superstar singer who's giving this very passionate speech and everyone's you know, hooping and hollering about how good it is. 
And she said this phrase, I just live my truth. Well, what does that mean? And you need to live your truth. Look at the world around you and decide what your truth is. I tell you what, when I live by my truth, life stinks. <laughs> it does. It looks good for a moment because you're like, I created something. All right, here we go. And then I try to live in it, and it's not sustainable because I think it has my best interests at heart, but I don't know what my best interest should be. So I guess, and then I create a world around it, and I call it my truth, and then I go, but I love Jesus, so I'll, I'll, I'll salt and pepper him on this truth instead of submitting to a truth I don't understand. That's faith, folks. If we're to continue to walk in faith, that means there has to be, continue to be a struggle to do so, or else it's not faith. If it's just easy all the time, and we're like, hey, it's, like a, it's not faith. There's always a challenge to surrender what we think we know for what God does know and what he wants for us. Faith is hard because we're trying to press into believing into God's uncreated reality, who he is. And he is love. First John 4 tells us he is love. So that means his love is uncreated. Who he is is uncreated. And so we also take the word love correct me if I'm wrong, and we make our own version of it. Well, this is how I love people. Who's heard that? This is how I need to be loved. Because we're so in tune with our needs. That was sarcasm, by the way. We think we are. Sometimes we don't know what we need. That's why God is there. Because he knows all things. So, we need to take this understanding that we have to submit to his lordship. Because, let's, folks, we cannot do this in the way we want to. Because every time we try, it doesn't work. Let's try it God's way. And we even interpret his word through our own created reality and our own created truth. We try to take what he's saying and be faithful to the scriptures, but when we experience something we think is contrary to how we're interpreting something, then we put, project that onto the passages. Has anyone ever done that? I've done that. Usually it's to judge people. To know where I stand and where someone else doesn't. To inflate my own sense of value because I'm probably more a self-diminishing person in the inside than I am encouraging myself. Anyone else feel that way? So, a couple of things before we go through this passage. And this passage, verse 26 is what I'm referring to uh, and moving forward, deals with uh, God's phrase, or the phrase we hear, God gave them over to. And we're going to see today the verses that are very challenging for us as a culture to address. And I'll tell you what, in other countries, it's illegal to preach on what we're going to preach today. The, the passages, because they're so controversial to certain cultures. But I'm not, I don't care about that. I want to know what God wants us to hear this morning. I want to know what he wants to say to us. Because we are ministers of his love and grace. Which means we have to learn to live in a tension that will tell us to condemn on one side, condone another. And those are your only two choices. It's not as clean as that. Jesus moves in a way in which it's not on our radar. 
When you look at what he does with the Pharisees, it's a paradox. When you look at how he lived his life here and then what he calls us to do, it is a paradox. We don't understand why, why would he die for people that hate him? Does that make sense to you? No. And then my own sense of justice. If Mark does something to me or he does something illegal, it's his own sin that should put him to death. But instead, Jesus says, your sin will put me to death so that you can have life. That doesn't make sense. We want it to make sense. Sometimes what God does is just not going to make sense to you, and we have to be okay with that. Okay? So God gave them over because of this exchange. Now I want to read from verse 24, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter so you can get context. We can have proper context today, and then we'll revisit 26, and we'll get into a dialogue and a conversation. Remember, this is an ongoing dialogue. This is something, it's not a a sermon. It is a journey through understanding what God is saying to us. And it doesn't stop just because this is what we planned today. Okay? And we'll have resources for dialogue that I'll I'll talk about at the end. So verse 24, I'm going to read out of the ESV today. I usually read out of the NIV, but the ESV, I think, has good, accurate language that we want to adhere to this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, open them to chapter 1 of Romans. We'll start at verse 24. If not, just listen, please. Therefore, God gave them up. This is after an exchange. God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged, there's that word, the truth about God for a lie or an illusion. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And the creator is blessed forever. It's praised forever. Amen. For this reason, our verses today, God gave them up to dishonorable passage, passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God. Insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, whoa, that's a laundry list. Ha! Ha! But that gives us context. Because same-sex attractions, which we will see in the verses today, are not the only thing listed here that God gave people over to. And when we say God gave them over to, it's not God being a mean God. It's him him following through, through with the process of free will, which is part of his wrath. You don't choose him. You get what he's not. And what he's not 
It's horrible. It's not a good reality. And when we say no to the Lord, he goes, fine. You don't want me? Have all this. See, sometimes we read God gave them up as this, as if, well, God forced them to do this because, you know, he just made them do this. And this is, no, he's there, but he's not going to be begging at your door that you don't do something because you, we've already made up our mind. So God gave them over. And this is what we choose to do when we are not with and in Christ. All of these different things. Keep that in mind. All of these different things fall short of what God wants for us. These are things he does not want for us. Some things, and we're going to call the elephant out in the room, are mentioned more than other in scriptures, but how many times does God need to say something for it to matter? Once. Because an argument can be made, well, God doesn't say this very often. The Bible doesn't address it very much, so it's not that big a deal. If God addresses it at all, it's a big deal. Okay? So, context. God gave us up to all these different things that we choose to participate in, and sometimes those desires feel like we don't have a choice, but we do have a choice. Now remember, when we see in Luke, we are told to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and what? Follow him. Surrender is key to life with Jesus. Surrendering what? Everything. Everything. What you think you want, what you don't want, that you have, everything. That's the Lordship. Submitting to uncreated truth. Denying what we think we want and we're entitled to that we think leads to an unfulfilled sense of happiness and giving it to the Lord and letting him transform and do wonderful things and breathe life. We have to know this going into this. So again, verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. These verses are not fun for many people to preach on because raise your hand if you know someone close to you that has lived a same-sex lifestyle. Okay, It's at our front door. And we are not, I'm going to say this, we are not sinless people. We can all relate to some of the things that we're seeing here. But here's the deal. Somehow, these verses, we treat these people differently that have struggled with this portion of sin. And sometimes don't put a spotlight on some other things in our lives that are just as sinful. Did you see gossip on there? Did anyone see that? Anyone completely innocent of that? No, but we're not, we're not going out starting a movement against gossipers. We're not out there doing a movement against slanderers necessarily. I mean, there's just, it's been sensationalized in our country. And we identify people as homosexuals, or we identify people um, that way of saying, well, you're gay. That's what you are. Okay, first and foremost, no, that is not true. 
That is not who they are. We have an identity crisis in our country and in the church. I am not trying to pick on the church. I love God's church. That's why I'm here. Love it. But I am called to speak what I feel the Lord is leading me to. And I will say this. We have an identity crisis in the church. Paul states it. We've got to be faithful to the context of this passage. He says, I, Paul, a slave to Christ. That's my identity. I am a beloved, just like you are. That's who you are. You are not your desires. That's not your identity, whether they're good or bad desires. And I'm not trying to make light of it, but that's not your identity. Why would we identify ourselves as such? It might be what we struggle with. It might be what we think we want, but it's not who we are. We are the beloved children of the Most High God. And sometimes it takes us a lifetime to accept that and realize that. But that is who you are. It's who you are. And as a father myself, I don't love my kids any less than the other because one's more challenging than the other. Sometimes we take acceptance and call it condoning. And that's not true. I accept and love my children. Do I always agree with their behavior? No. But I will love them nonetheless. If God is love and love is God, how might we look at the passages before us with every sin that's listed there? What must our posture be? We are all loved by God. I, have, I can relate to a few things on that list. And I'm glad that one, I don't identify myself as those things, but two, that other people aren't calling me out and identifying me as that because that's the other part of the identity crisis is that sometimes we as Christians will put that identity on people because that's the sin they struggle with and then we're on a mission to change them. Well, God will change a heart. He will change. He will convict. That's what we've got to let him do. But for me to identify that person regardless, regardless, Regardless of what their sin is, for me to say that's their identity, oh my goodness, then I don't understand my own as a Christian. And now because I've, so if I say, well, Mark is a loiterer, you know, I, <laughs> here's, now I'm introducing him, here's Mark the loiterer. Well, that's not who Mark is, it might be something he struggles with. It might be something that he does. But if I, if I already label him, and even in my language, that that's his identity, now the way I love him is conditioned to that identity. I can't love him the way God has called me to love him because it is filtered through this identity that I have given him because I see what he struggles with. Now I can't be as available to the power of uncreated love the way in which God wants me to. Now again, I'm not condoning any behavior. This is not about the behavior yet of sin. 
Sin is out there. It will influence our lives for the rest of our lives in some way, shape, or form. But how we handle with people when they are struggling with it is key for the church so that we can have a voice in this country once again. For a lot of people, the church is a joke. It is. They don't feel, people don't feel safe. Rightfully so. When you look through the history of the church, issues like this, hot topic issues, have not been handled well. Generally speaking, what, how do we want to do it? How do we want to walk with people that struggle with these things. I've never met someone with same-sex attractions that woke up in the morning and go, I, I can't wait to be this way. It's always been a struggle. And that's not to downplay anything. That's not to... But because there is a tension there for anybody. There's a tension. How do we walk, walk with people? How do we love them? You know, of a passage in Scripture that's used at almost every wedding I can think of is 1 Corinthians 13 on love. We know this? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not a marriage passage, folks. It's not, you can use it for marriage. But Paul is stating in this passage what love looks like. So when we say as Christians we are to love, what does it look like? Well, love is patient. How have we dealt with this issue in our culture? Have we been patient? No. Love is kind. As a whole, have we been kind? Probably not. Now, some of us have been. I'm not saying that there aren't individuals and there aren't church families that haven't, haven't responded in love. They have. They're there. But how do we hold the tension of not condoning but not condemning? Well, then love has to have its say. And we love through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If those are not in your behavior towards anyone dealing with any sin, then we need to realign ourselves with Jesus. And we don't always do that perfectly. But we need to strive to be with him so that when we say love and when our actions of love towards those people are exercised, it reflects what love looks like in scripture. I am tired of the labels we give people. I am because it stunts our behavior and it distorts our positioning with Jesus on how we're to love people, regardless of what they struggle with. Now, I grew up in Southern California And it's a hotbed for same-sex attraction and homosexual lifestyle. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. I grew up with it. Is there struggle there? Absolutely. For me, there was a struggle to know how to behave and, and how to respond. But the more I'm like, these are people, just like I'm a person. And I deal with my stuff and they deal with their stuff. But we sensationalize certain sins, making them greater than the other. Well, this one's unnatural. Who's heard that argument? This goes against the nature of God. Well, guess what? All sin does. We are made in the image of God. So any sin is unnatural because our nature, as God intended it to be, is being an image of him, 
and a bearer of his name. And so any sin is an unnatural occurrence. It goes against God's nature. But you see, we, we already labeled it, and now we're loving through a different filter. There are a lot of questions around this topic. There are a lot of things that we could discuss. But that's not what today is for. Today is how do we live in the tension of these things? There are more I don't knows as answers to questions out there that I have. But I'll tell you what, what I do know is that if we stay with Jesus, if we allow him to be Lord of our lives, we will navigate these kind of topics that are hot topics in our culture in a way where Jesus will have the say and people will have to rethink their arguments. They're going to have to rethink this Jesus because we will be representing him in a way that he's speaking and we're not speaking for him. You just sit back there, Jesus. I got this. That doesn't work. I've tried it. It stinks. That was the time I tried to actually write out my sermon. (laughs) I got it. It was horrible. And in the middle of it, God said, throw away your notes. I went, no, I got this. You suck, dude. You don't got this. He didn't say that. And I threw him away. And then I realized, you know what? He's got to be Lord of my life because I don't navigate this on my own the way he will actually live this out. Praise God for that. Praise God. The other thing I want to say is we cannot be afraid of these things because they're hot topics, because persecution comes. We can't be afraid to address and sit with someone in the tension. Jesus is there with us. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, did he, folks? No. Now, I'm a hypocrite because when I... When we started this, this, this series, I knew we'd have to come to here, get through this. And I didn't want to be. I was frightened. I was afraid. But you know what? That passage is not about homosexuality. It is about the sovereignty and glory of God. And what happens when we exchange that for something less? And how as Christians and as the church... Do we love people who have exchanged, including ourselves, exchanged the glory of God for something less? That's where the problem really lies, is how we treat one another, how we love one another. Because you can't write them off because it's hard, and you can't just go, okay, well, this is an uphill battle, and just accept or approve everything. Because we're afraid of hard dialogue and conversation and and loving communication. Man, if, if we as the church don't sit in the tension of those things, who will? Who will? We're going to have more of this hate talk on either side of any issue. Somehow Jesus goes into those two different things. I mean, you look at the Jews and you look at the Pharisees, or you look at, um, uh, who am I, uh, road to Damascus. Samaritan, thank you. You look at the Samaritans. You look at how they hated each other. And Jesus tells a story of the good Samaritan where the Samaritan is the hero. Now, if he was a good Jew, the Samaritan would be a bad guy in that story. But Jesus did something different. Do you think 
he would probably handle the things that we're dealing with in this culture differently than we generally do. Yes. Folks, we have to remember he also has his spirit with us that will help us discern and navigate. God will do the changing. He will do the transforming. We'll do the loving through him. And we'll, we'll see what God does. We'll see how he moves. But this is a big conversation. It is a big dialogue. But that's what it is, a dialogue. Where we can come to a safe place and share and talk and work through. And because of that, Dave and Diane, can you stand up in the back there? Say hi to Dave and Diane Rasmussen. Uh, they have a history uh, of working with different ministries that engages um, the topics we're talking about today. They are safe people. They are anointed people. They have an unforgettable story that talks, addresses exactly what we're talking about. And so on Monday night, correct, at 6.30 here at the church, anyone that has questions or wants to have a dialogue? What? Are we? Yeah, a week from tomorrow. Excuse me. Yeah, the 18th, a week from tomorrow. Yeah, man, it's Sunday, isn't it? A week from tomorrow. And they just open for dialogue. They'll share a little bit of their story, and it'll be a place where we can continue the dialogue. Um, you can sit down, by the way. <laughs> I don't want to keep you standing forever. But it is a dialogue, and it is a challenging thing to navigate. But what I don't want us to forget is that our identity is in Christ and Christ alone. Let's not exchange that for identity that cannot hold up. It can't, any identity less of God's beloved cannot hold up. It will be picked apart. It will be picked apart. And through that identity, how do we love? One, how do we love ourselves? Because we're sinners too. How do we allow God's love to penetrate our hearts so that we can model that to others? And to remember, accepting someone in love, it doesn't mean you're approving of their behavior or condoning it. You're saying, I love you. Period. I'm going to be with you. Because I tell you what, Jesus is with me in my hardest times of sin. My sin might be different, but the despair and the isolation that my sin causes in my life, Jesus goes into there and he wrecks it. And I realize my identity is not my sin, it is the one who changes it, who's forgiven me of it, who speaks life into it. And I'm going to love from that place. Because all of us know the despair that sin causes in our life. All of us do. And we may not be able to relate to the type of sin someone has in their life, but we know what sin does. It does the same thing. It takes us out of kingdom positioning. It removes us from close proximity to Jesus. And it's awful. It's horrible. I hate it. I want to be in God's presence all the time. And I want everyone to be in God's presence regardless of what their sin is. So that they can know the love of God and that their identity is in the love of God. And now their sin and their desires aren't bigger than the love they've just experienced. Because that love is uncreated love. 
And their desires can't go as far as God loves, God's love goes. And it becomes an easier thing, not easy, easier thing to lay down when you see something greater than your own desires. We will be a church family, and I believe we are, that will love people in the arms of Jesus and let Jesus do all the changing and transforming. It's the Holy Spirit that brings transformation. And we will love. And when you look in the mirror, you will love. Because again, the hardest person to love sometimes is yourself. Amen? Well, we could go on. (laughs) But I don't want to put Jesus in the back seat. So, we're going to go into a time of offering and prayer, and then we're going to go into a time of communion. And remember, communion is the great exchange. Communion is, we, Jesus says, remember, and it's that remembrance isn't, isn't just, you know, recall that time. It is a remember every day of what I'm doing for you because of my love for you. And I don't, I don't care what our sins are in this room or the areas in which we've missed the mark. We are going to walk together through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to love together through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to struggle, but we will overcome because Jesus is the one who's overcome all things, and we are with him. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that everyone here, regardless of sin, is fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are beloved. I break off anything, any uh, unhealthy notions of who you are and who we think you need to be and that we would lay those down and come to a place where that we deny ourselves, that we lay those things at the altar in recognition that what you have, even the things we're not sure of yet that you have for us is greater than anything we could desire or dream up for ourselves. Lord, we're yours. And it is a struggle at times to give up those things, especially when they feel so ingrained into who we think we are. But I thank you that you're greater than what we think is natural to us. I I thank you that you are greater than any desire that we could have. And I thank you, God, that you love us where we're at, but you also love us so much that you don't leave us where we're at. You continue to transform us with ever-increasing glory as we step into your presence because there is more of you to receive and discover and experience. If there's anything that I've said that's not of you, I ask that you'd remove it from our ears and our hearts. It's not my intention. That we would hear what you want us to hear in Jesus' name. That we'd be a safe place for one another and anyone that walks into relationship and fellowship with us. And that we would learn to sit in the tension of all the things that come our way and say, Jesus, what do you want to say? Especially when we don't know what to say. And how would you have us respond? And we thank you, God, that your love and your character is not um, moved by our sin. It is not changed by our circumstances. 
your love continues. Thank you for that. So we pray a blessing over the gifts that we are going to surrender to you now for your kingdom, for your glory, our tithes and our offerings. I pray, God, that you would bless them again for your kingdom glory. And we ask that love would have every say in our life. Who you are would have every say in our life. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside. 